Engaging Leader Podcast, episode 95, Three Things Leaders Should Learn from Rock Orchestra Superstars. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers, and welcome back to the Engaging Leader to my wife, Erin Leahy. Hi. I think our listeners are probably thinking, what the heck? Rock Orchestra Superstar. What is that about? Aaron, you just recently returned from your first time attending an annual week-long event called the Mark Wood Rock Orchestra Camp. Right. Which to me seems like a grown-up's version of high school band camp. (laughs) (laughs) I can see why you'd think so. (laughs) Now, most of the campers were not yet adults, right? What was the age range? That's true. The age range was around 9 to 61 was the oldest participant, and the vast majority of them were in high school. And the maturity and skill level, though, was pretty high. It was more of adult caliber. It was probably close to two-thirds of the participants uh, are actually very skilled. They've got 10 years worth of playing a stringed instrument under their belt or, or, or 30 years. There were plenty of people who were teachers already and they were looking for new techniques to teach their students or even there was a Nashville band there. So you had people on the, the newer end of the spectrum like myself. I'm a fourth year student and I was definitely one of the participants with the least amount of experience. In fact, you had the threshold level of experience. That's right. If I had had one few, one year fewer of lessons, I would have been lost. Now, the reason why we thought this would be a great podcast episode is you got back and you were just on a high. And in many ways, the experience was completely different from what you expected because you knew that the faculty at this camp were, were world-famous musicians in their fields. I mean, nobody that I know, but they're within their genres, they're superstars. Right. And you were surprised in many ways by their leadership. And they did look at things differently than I think a lot of business leaders do. And I think there's, some, we, we after talking about it, you and I uncovered three things that really business leaders should learn from their example that was extremely inspiring and still inspires you now that it's been a few weeks of art have gone by since you've returned. So before we jump into those lessons, though, help us understand what the heck this is, rock, the rock orchestra, and, and who are some of these superstars that we're talking about? Okay, well, the founder, Mark Wood, has been the electric violinist for Trans-Siberian Orchestra since their founding until I'm think it was about 2009 when he finally left TSO and started a strings education program. Mark is passionate about keeping strings education alive. The strings world as we know it is is dwindling quickly. It's not relevant to today and kids are not passionate and excited about it the way that he would like to see them. So he started a program called Electrify Your Strings, where he travels to 60 different schools throughout the year and takes the traditional string orchestra, the kids who are playing Bach and Mozart and Haydn, and he 
teaches them how to loosen up and play some modern music with their strings. He teaches them how to do um, some kind of different techniques with their instrument, encourages them to break out of that classical traditional mold and have fun so that they can enjoy their music and not feel like it's just another thing they got to practice, another thing. Not that these kids aren't enjoying their music, but there's a difference between enjoying it and being on fire. Now, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, to most of us, we only we would he- tend to hear their music at Christmas time. They've become pretty well known over the last decade or so. They have other music too, but right. what people like me, we just know them for songs like Christmas Cannon Rock and what are some of their other stuff? Siberian Sleigh Ride, Dreams of Winter. Uh, they did one, Sarajevo or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yep, Sarajevo. Okay. And so even if these aren't meaning anything to our listeners just rattling off the names, if they heard these, they would recognize these. Because at Christmas time, you can't, everywhere you go, you're going to hear this music. It's, a, it's just a rock style of music um, that has become very popular. Who are some of the other some of the other people that were faculty? Judy King is currently the electric violinist for Lady Gaga. Rachel Barton Pine is a world-class classical music concert violinist. David Wallace, also known as Doc Wallace, is a teacher at Juilliard, and he is the incoming chair of the strings department at Berklee College of Music, um, and many others, Tracy Silverman, Matt Vanacoro, uh, Bridget Bibbins, a lot of people that, you know, if you're into R&B or um, some of the other more popular genres, these are usually... They're in people's bands. They're in people's bands. Okay. Right. And so if you really care about their band, you're going to know this person. Right. And when you showed up at this camp, now this camp was held at a university campus not far from Kansas City. And when you set foot on campus, you and a lot of the other students were in awe of the level of talent that was there. We knew that these were superstars. And you basically just wanted their autograph and to follow them around and your... your... Well, some of the kids certainly did, I guess. I've never (laughs) been terribly starstruck, but I was aware that the caliber of the people who would be teaching me was world class. So at the beginning of the camp, you were awestruck about these faculty leaders. And as we've talked, we've kind of sorted through what you were feeling then and what, what came out over the week and re- and you realized that you carried with you three assumptions that these leaders quickly turned on their heads. The first assumption is that the leaders would teach advanced skills but would be protective of their own cutting-edge techniques. In other words, the secrets behind their signature grooves. Right, like maybe they wouldn't want to give too much away because if people found out the cool things they were doing, they might eke in on, on their racket and they might lose that competitive edge. And what was the reality? The reality was that these teachers, every one of them, was super excited about the fun of showing what they were doing to these students. They couldn't wait to show them how to do this or how to do that. And they wanted them to get it. They, they weren't even being slightly mysterious about it, like, ooh, watch this cool thing and be in awe of me. It was, okay, I'm going to slow down and, and work with you on this so you can master it too. I remember you talked about how Tracy Silverman said, hey, check this out. And he showed you guys this funky new sound from a strumbowing technique that he's known for. And he actually let you guys gather close around him and even use your iPhones and videotape his fingers so you could see exactly 
what he was doing at different speeds. He slowed way down and showed you right up close. Yeah, that's right. I, I had asked him if he had any YouTube videos or anything that kind of explained it. And he's like, well, no, I do need to get some. But, you know, go ahead and come on up here and, and look and see what I'm doing. Uh, I'm actually working on a book right now. And, of course, we were all like, great, when's it coming out? He's like, well, I'm not that far yet. But, you know, he, he's trying to teach this stuff, not not just perform it, but teach it. So this is in contrast to a lot of leaders who share information just on a need-to-know basis. These leaders instead were sharing out of sheer passion and fun and interest and just being generous with what they had. They're just giving it away and trusting that they're going to get something back, I guess. Yeah, they didn't care who they were sharing it with. If you were interested, they wanted to share. If you weren't interested, fine, no big deal, but... They were happy to help those who wanted to know. In fact, they actually just fed on the growth of the students. That just really jazzed them up. Yeah, they did. And and that was, to me, it was kind of a funny thing that they would get excited by seeing us excited and that they would have the patience to sit there while we learned something they had already mastered. It reminds me a bit of the open source movement in software. In contrast to the traditional proprietary mode of software where a software company creates a a new program, a new application, and then guards the code behind that very protectively. And the open source movement just turned that all on head and said, hey, let's just share everything because the more we share, the more we all advance forward. The further we can get ahead. That's right. And you wouldn't think that that would be the same case in music, but apparently it was. I think we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the second one because we'll, this, this, that idea is going to come back around. But the second assumption is that these rock orchestra superstar leaders would insist that you and the other students develop your technical excellence first, your perfection, right. before teaching you any funky rock techniques, you know, the fun, game-changing stuff. Right. One thing that I didn't know because I haven't hung out with a lot of other strings players, and by strings I mean primarily cello, bass, violin, viola. There were also some guitarists there, both bass guitarists and regular electric guitarists, but um, I didn't realize that traditional strings players are perfectionists, and I didn't know it until there were 130 of us together. And the teachers came in with the assumption that we were all perfectionists and didn't really need reminders to go practice our scales and arpeggios and be very careful with our finger placement and work on developing technical excellence. They knew we already had that down pat, and that was not one of the things that they were trying to teach us. In fact, we had pieces that we had to already have learned before we came to camp. There were a set of about five pieces of music that we were supposed to learn so we could come in and over the course of our week-long camp, we would simply rehearse together, make sure we all had our parts down, and give a concert on the last evening. And this being my first time, I assumed they want technical perfection. There were two pieces of music that had sections in them that I just couldn't master. And so a couple of days before the camp, I sent in an email and said, hey, listen, I've been practicing two hours a day, every day for three weeks. I don't have these down. Should I cancel? And I got letters back from three different people saying, no, 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 don't do that. We'll rewrite the part for you so that (laughs) you can play along with us. Don't worry about it. That's not what it's about. Just come and have fun. In fact, 
they insisted that you guys have fun with your instrument. I mean, they pushed you to learn and try new things even when you hadn't mastered earlier lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Again, we're all perfectionists, and they're not worried about whether we're going to eventually get the technical stuff perfect. What they were concerned about was that we develop a passion for it, that we have fun for it. And I got to say they were 100% successful. By the end of the first day of camp, I had had five or six classes, and the things that I had learned in those classes, which had nothing to do with classical violin, let me just say, the things that I had learned made playing the violin instantly, without spending more than 15 minutes just trying out the new techniques, it was three times more fun than it had been when I went to camp. Like what? Give me an example. Uh, Something called power chords. It's kind of like playing the guitar, where basically instead of Uh, In traditional violin, you play the harmony or the melody, and you're using your bow, and you're making notes with your bow. And this wasn't about making notes with your bow. It was about making chords with your bow and using rhythmic patterns with your playing to play along with a song instantly. If you knew where to find an A on your violin, and we all did, then by making an A and then a a note a fifth up on the next string, you could make like a strumming pattern sort of with your instrument to just play along with whatever song. So there was no amount of practice that would go into learning how to play a song. Can you imagine like, boom, all of a sudden I can play a song. I don't even have to practice it ahead of time and I know how to do it. Hmm. Wow, how much fun is that? Well, I don't really understand much of what you just said, but <laughs> you're obviously very excited about it. <laughs> you mentioned that the that Mark Woods pointed out that you don't work music, you play it. Yeah, that's right. And, and that was the point. And he was successful. That was the point of the camp was... was Play with your instrument. Have fun. And we did play. We did some funky stuff with our traditional instruments that you have never seen. And you're going to start seeing more of it, but you've never heard of, you've never thought of. I mean, we were using our violins and cellos as drums. We were making heavy metal guitar sounds on them. Hmm. We were using them to make rhythm. We were making breathing noises and ocean noises on them. I mean... Stuff that you don't typically think of when you think of a stringed instrument. Well, one of the ways that I apply this to business, of course, is number one, just focusing on the passion and fun first. That's going to lead to performance and excellence and results. But also there's some trends in the business world of of doing experiments and being okay if they fail, setting, allowing your team to, and encouraging your team to just go do experiments for the fun of it, to see what works, throw some mud on the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. And, and, and sure, you do it in a way so that you're not going to bring down the whole enterprise, just like you're not going to just practice, try something absolutely brand new on your violin right in the middle of a, of a performance. Um, but, you, but, you, but just go ahead and have fun and make things happen. Yeah, and I have to say that in my four years of playing violin, I have never once been tempted to make a sound on my violin that wasn't something my teacher told me (laughs) to do. Um, And again, maybe it's the mindset where all these perfectionists and we want to do it, quote, right. 
Um, but one of the things that one of our teachers said one day, and actually I think I had heard it a few times, was uh, we were taught, we were in an improv class, and she was teaching us how to just go ahead and play notes along with whatever song was going on and make it sound good. And she said, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? It's not going to sound good? And I got to say, I'll bet you every one of us in that room was like, uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> guess that is all that would happen. I guess the floor is not going to fall out from under us. Um, and she actually said, you know, go ahead. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Go ahead and make a mistake and use it as a springboard to something better. If you put your finger on the wrong note, you're only a half note away from being in the right key. So what do you do if you put your finger on the wrong note when you're improving? Slide it up a half note and it actually sounds kind of cool. So that was about taking mistakes and using them to make something better. One more thing before we leave this point, and, and that was that you talked about how because they were throwing all these f- cool, fun, game-changing, funky techniques at you just so much every day, and you're trying all of this stuff, and you were noticing that your technical proficiency was actually going backwards yeah, right. over the course of the week. That's right. Um, it's a good thing we were actually in an orchestra because we didn't have time to practice. We only had time to just play our parts during concert rehearsal. And uh, when you're practicing a stringed instrument or any instrument, if you make a mistake, you're supposed to stop and back up and play the right thing several times to build in that that feeling in your finger, the, the muscle memory in your finger, so you don't play the wrong thing the next time. But what was happening was I was making mistakes, and then I'd make a mistake the next time, and pretty soon I was building poor muscle memory. Um, so it's a good thing we were actually in an orchestra because the other people could cover my my mistakes. <laughs> well, one of the things I would compare that to in the business world are teams and companies that will put on a short-term lab. Maybe it's two days or maybe it's a week long and throw people into it, especially people that are where you're cross-pollinating, cross-pollinating. You're getting people from throughout the organization who don't necessarily work together and pushing them to do some something amazing together uh, cre- just create something from scratch in a, in two days time or in, in a week and there's some things that are going to be really sloppy during that time but mm-hmm. people are trying new things learning from different people it's a brand new experience and it, 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 out of that sloppiness comes something really cool and then the, There'll be time to perfect things later on. But a lot of times that learning and growth and innovation happens in a very rapid, sloppy kind of way. Right. And although my technical proficiency on those five pieces for the concert decreased, when I came home and picked up my bow and started playing the stuff that I had been practicing weeks earlier before I ever started preparing my camp pieces, all of a sudden I was better even though I had kind of declined during that week, what I had learned over the course of the week made me ultimately better so that when I got back to it and actually had the time and the care to put into it, I had improved. All right, now the third and final assumption that we identified that you had going in as the week started was that the learning would be a one-way process, that these rock orchestra superstars would be like gods 
and, and the, as the faculty leaders, they would descend from on high and transmit knowledge to the students. And that was not your experience, was it? No, uh, they certainly did transmit knowledge to the students, but it wasn't a one-way street. And there was nothing, I got no vibes at all that, that these people were like, well, I'm great, and I'm going to give you this amazing knowledge. Um, no, it was it was really just the fun of sharing it and, and the fun of kind of watching us learn it and seeing what we would do with it they they weren't like here's what i do now do it and do it right they were like here's what i do take it and have fun with it and let's see what you do with it and that was kind of cool you said sometimes the students when they were attempting those techniques they actually would stumble on fresh sounds that even the leaders then wanted to try yeah which was really interesting um there was one teacher in particular who was I don't know what the class he was supposed to teach was, but it kind of went out the window because within the first five minutes, he says, okay, I'm going to demonstrate a point. Let's play an A minor scale. And then he said, no, wait a minute. Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to play an A minor scale, but we're going to do it individually. I'm going to point at you, and you're going to play the first note on the scale. When I point at you again, you're going to play the next note on the scale, and so on. When I stop pointing at you, you're going to stop and just hold that note. And then I'm going to go on to somebody else and have them. And so he started doing that and he stopped it and he said, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to use this. And my thought to myself was, well, he's being so nice and trying to make us feel good like we sound like we're doing something great. To me, it sounded like a sloppy scale. Um, and I was shocked when later on in the week, we had these combo groups where we um, put together a song to play for each other in concert on Thursday. And when Thursday came, he and his combo group did that. They performed that A minor scale the way he had done it in my class. And again, it was just like a spur of the moment thing in class. And and as he was listening to it, he recognized the possibilities and he used it. He put it together and it was the most beautiful song. The entire audience was entranced and all it was was an A minor scale and he had stumbled on it while he was just trying to explain something to us. So he was kind of hmm. inspired by the interaction with us. You heard them repeatedly commenting that this was their favorite week of the year. And that they themselves learned so much from the students. And at the beginning of the week, you thought that it was just a cliché. Yeah, I did. I, I spoke with several faculty members. Again, they were so accessible. They would sit with us at lunch. They'd talk with us after class. They'd give us a private lesson if they had time and there was something we didn't understand. And I was just so appreciative of their willingness to share all their stuff with us that I was trying to thank them individually. And so I would corner one and say, hey, I just want you to know that I really appreciate the time that you're putting into this. And they'd say, well, actually, you know, it's my favorite week of the whole year because we come here and we learn all this stuff from you guys. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's really nice of you to to condescendingly say that. But <laughs> one after another after another, the faculty members said exactly the same thing. And I finally asked one of them, I'm like, can, can you explain this? Because people keep saying this and I'm not seeing how it's rewarding for you at all. And he said, you know, we learn a lot from you. We don't have any corner on the musical market. It's, you know, we're sharing with each other what we know, and we don't know everything you know, and some of the things that you're 
kind of messing around and finding out are creating whole new sounds that that we don't know about. You don't know about. We're doing this together. And you did notice that several of these faculty leaders were actually working. They're in the process of composing different pieces right. and makes, laying out arrangements. And so because they are creating, they're naturally in the curious mode and the looking for inspiration mode. And so mm-hmm. they were literally borrowing stuff that they picked up during the week and, and working it in. And that kind of kept them in a sort of a hum- humility and learning mode. Yeah, it did. And and it wasn't just that one example that I shared earlier. It happened multiple times where you, you know, they would say, oh, that's really good. I'm going to use that. Or, oh, I want to try that. Well, let's reiterate these three lessons in a nutshell. So from that first assumption that you had and the reality that you discovered, I think it boils down to sharing and serving. Right. We'll take you farther than worrying about secrecy, about having a competitive advantage, or politics. And the second lesson was really all about passion and fun. And how that is going to lead to performance, excellence, and growth. And then the final lesson was about humility and learning. And how that can lead to creativity and innovation. So Aaron, as we wrap up here, how can folks find out more if, if somebody is either interested in music themselves or they have somebody in their family or a friend, how would they find out more about this event? They can just look online at mwroc.com. There's a whole website that talks all about it. Short for Markwood Rock Orchestra Camp. That's right. All right. And we'll put the link to that in our show notes for this episode. Erin is my wife and also a part-time associate with Asmodale Communications doing proofreading and editing for us. Thanks for joining us again on the show, honey. You're welcome. Glad to. And as always, we'll provide the show notes on our website at engagingleader.com, and that'll be at forward slash 95 as in episode 95. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engaging leader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. And by the way, Erin just recently joined Twitter herself. She is at E-R-I-N-L-A-H-E-Y, Erin Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Terrence, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about.